You're listening to the Primary Medicine Podcast with Kevin and Dimitri, bringing you the best in primary care CME that you can use in your everyday practice. Welcome back, everyone, to the Primary Medicine Podcast. My name is Dr. Dimitri. I'm a family doctor with a practice in Ottawa, Ontario, and Gatineau, Quebec. I also have a fertility practice in Montreal, and I'm a faculty lecturer at McGill University. Today, we'll talk about scabies. And it's a bit embarrassing, but the reason why we're talking about this topic is because the Dr. Dimitri family had a bit of a scabies scare. Our daddy, her roommate, somehow uh, had had scabies for four full weeks. I don't know how she was able to deal with that. She must have the uh, the patience of a saint or the endurance of a rock. But uh, she had been, had scabies for four weeks, was diagnosed. Our daddy told us about it the day after she had spent uh, in our house, uh, in our bed sheets, all over the place. So we had a bit of a freak out. Thankfully, we're doing okay. But this inspired me to talk about scabies today. Scabies in itself is an actual, it's the name of the disease. So it's an infestation of the skin by a parasite. The parasite is called Sarcoptes scabii. It's a type of mite. So it's the female mites that are, that are causing the trouble. They, they like to burrow deep into your skin and they tend to lay eggs. They can lay up to four eggs a day and usually live anywhere for four to six weeks in your skin. So you can imagine by the end of, of their life cycle, they've laid hundreds of eggs, especially since usually an infestation includes anywhere from five to 15 of these little buggers. So there's different types of scabies. The, I'll talk about the common scabies. You can sometimes have something called crusted scabies, which it can be actually deadly. It's very hard to treat, and it's usually seen in immunocompromised patients. And then you have something called nodular scabies, which can be seen as a complication of the common scabies. But I'll, I'll just talk about common scabies today. But yeah, so it's it's the mite. It goes in and burrows in the skin. And the reason why the disease happens is because your body eventually will react to the mostly to the feces because you know they come in the skin, they lay the eggs, they also take a you know nice big poop in there and and your body doesn't really like it the the, the interesting thing about it is that the first time you've been exposed to scabies it can take anywhere from one to four weeks or actually even more than that i think there's some studies saying 10 weeks for you to present with symptoms so the incubation period can be quite long however you're still quite infectious during those that incubation period which is the tricky part about scabies right if you've had scabies infestation before, however, your body will react much faster within 24 hours. The thing about scabies is pretty much anyone will get it. Obviously, there's some people who are higher risk. For example, women and children it tends to be endemic in impoverished areas, perhaps that don't have easy access to, to medicine or to doctors. And you often might have outbreaks in nursing homes and hospitals. The way scabies is transmitted is pretty much skin to skin. So any type of contact with an infested person increases the chance of, of you getting the disease. This can simply mean you hold their hand or you have sexual react relations with them. In fact, in a way, scabies is considered to be an STI. Having said that, just remind yourself when you're dealing with a patient who has a lot of itchiness and a weird rash, wear gloves. Because if you examine a patient with scabies, there's there's a chance you might catch it if, you, if you're not wearing protection. Another way you can sometimes catch it is if you are in contact with infested bed sheets or in contact with clothing as well. 
Now this is less infectious, mainly because the 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 mite can only live up to three days on human skin. And, but by the way, that's one of the ways you can decontaminate the scabies inf infection is by just leaving all the clothes that were that were exposed on the beach that were exposed in a plastic bag for a couple of days because uh, at that point the mite will die. I'll talk about that a bit later when we talk about treatment. So how do you diagnose, how would you diagnose scabies? So the next question, the next, things I'll, the next thing I'll cover. It's a clinical diagnosis. It, you, you sort of have to, you should be aware of the classical presentation. So usually what happens is that a patient will come in complaining of extreme pruritus, like really, they'll be really, really itchy. And it tends to be worse at night. They will often have a, a rash. Usually it's an erythematous papular rash often involving the follicles and has a v quite interesting distribution. So the scabies might like the, the warm areas of the body. So we're talking about the uh, the web spaces of your fingers and your toes. So it's warm and wet there. It likes the axillary folds. It likes the genital area. Oftentimes you will see it on the flexors of the wrist and the extensors of the elbow as well. Sometimes you might, depending on how, how extensive the infestation is, you might even see it around the abdomen and the umbilicus. It rarely affects the scalp and the head, although in infants and elderly it might. So again, remember, it's a, it's a very specific distribution. Most of the time, you will see it in those sort of warm and, warm and wet areas, the web spaces, the axilla, and the groin. So again, just to summarize, Classically, it's a very itchy rash, worse at night, that has a specific distribution. So the clinical diagnosis takes that into account. If somebody comes in complaining of diffuse itching with visible lesions on at least two of your typical locations for scabies, this is a highly sensitive specific finding to diagnose the disease. Obviously, if they have been exposed to somebody with scabies, that supports your hypothesis even more. If you're doing this physical exam, you can sometimes actually notice the burrows. So they used to teach us to look at for, for look for burrows at the web spaces and at the wrist. However, it can be hard to see without a magnification. If you have a dermatoscope or another type of magnifying device, sometimes you can even use an otoscope. You may be able to see them. Uh, and if you see them, it's a highly specific finding. So if you see a burrow, you're pretty much sure that you're dealing with scabies. It's, a, it's a highly, highly likely that's what it, that's what it is. Uh, but again, it can be hard to find these. So there's, there's an actual way to do it without magnification. It's called the burrow ink test. And the way it works is you, you gently rub a, a felt tip marker, or if you're old school and have an ink pen ink pad, you can do that as well. And you cover the suspected area with ink. I tend to prefer the flexor surface of the wrist for that. So obviously, and again, you have to ask permission for the patient, from the patient when you're doing this. And then you take an alcohol swab and you remove the excess ink. What happens is if there's burrows, the ink will actually go into the, under the skin, into the burrows, and you see sort of like a linear, linear delineation of the burrows in the color of the of the tip of the marker or of your ink. And that, that's, a, again, that, that's a positive burrow ink test, and that's quite specific for scabies. There isn't any good lab tests. It, again, if you're, if you're old school and you happen to have a microscope, 
and oil something you can do is you can collect skin scrapings again you can try the flexors of the wrist uh, and uh, or the ex or you know probably that's the easiest area actually thinking about it it'd be hard to get it from the axilla but you can try there as well i've never done it myself so this is just theoretical here and you're supposed to put some of the skin shavings on oil and then use a microscope and take a look and sometimes you may be able to see the mite so it's a specific test meaning that if you see the mite well most likely you're dealing with uh, scabies of course you should be able to, you have to be able to recognize what the scabies mite looks like and they're not very sensitive though because if you don't see the mite it doesn't mean much of anything personally i don't see the use of this test uh, but you know it's something it's something you can do if you have access to a microscope and you know how to use it. You remember how to use it from your undergrad. The other thing you can sometimes try that is not skin shavings is you can try adhesive tape and then, you know, put it in oil, try to dissolve the mites and put them on under the microscope. Yeah, interest, interesting thing to think about and, you know, made me a bit excited about about maybe buying myself a microscope for my, for my practice, just as a curiosity sake. But again, I'm not quite sure how useful this test is. So just to, again, the summary is here in terms of diagnosis is that we're mostly dealing with a clinical diagnosis. So itch uh, and specific location of a rash makes you think of scabies. If you see burrows, if the burrow ink test is positive, and if uh, you know if the patient has been exposed to somebody with scabies, that's quite quite a bit more supportive that you're dealing with the disease. We'll move on to treatment. And treatment can be a bit tricky in Canada, to be fair. I had a discussion with my pharmacist, and uh, the recommendation has been to use permethrin 5%. The brand name is Quelara or Nix Dermocreme. You can use it for patients who are over two months old. And the idea is that you want to apply a thin layer on all skin surfaces. And again, they, they used to teach you not the head or the scalp because apparently the, the mites avoid those areas if you're older. You need to make sure that it's on you for, for anywhere from 14 to 18 hours, and then you wash off. And then you need to repeat the treatment, usually within a week. That's been the recommendation, because the permethrin is not actually ovicidal, so it kills the mite, but not the eggs. And the eggs, sh the new eggs should have, uh, should have shown up within a week. Again, usual recommendation is doing that. The issue is that uh, there's quite a bit of resistance to permethrin. The other issue is it's really the only thing that is still offered in Canada. There used to be something called Lindane, which could be used as a second-line second, second line treatment, but it, it's quite neurotoxic, so they pulled it off the market, at least in Quebec. We don't have access to the oral option, uh, the ivermethacin. So we're pretty much stuck with, with this, which means that if you're dealing with somebody with resistance scabies, you may have to tell them to so multiple applications. Which maybe every three days. The other thing you should tell them to do is buy a sulfur-based soap, because you know in, in developing countries that's what they use for scabies uh, infestation. So these are expensive soaps. I think they're twenty bucks for a, for a bar of soap, and to pretty much wash themselves daily with that with sulfur soap. There's a bit of evidence that you can use coconut-based products as well, but it's it's less supported by the literature. And the biggest issue is uh, in terms of resolution, the itch itself can last for. A month even if you've had the treatment done so it's a bit tricky to know whether a patient has you know has really resolved their symptoms or not granted the rash will be gone if their symptoms are resolved and or will stay there if they're not 
but it's tricky. So it's a tricky treatment. So my suggestion really, considering the resistance, is if, if a person has been exposed to somebody infected, which, which happened to us, we were, we were really exposed, we were exposed to somebody who was exposed to somebody who was infected, they should, first of all, not go to school, not go to work, and, have, and be treated once with the permethrin. So you put it on, you, you cover your body, you know, whatever, cover, you, cover your face too. Uh, it's it just, uh, I talked to my pharmacist and we found it a bit odd to, to stop at the neck. It's fair enough that most scabies won't go to the face, but then again, how, how would you know? Just avoid the mucosa surfaces, obviously. Then wash it off after 40 to 18 hours, and it's usually enough. If, if, uh, if you actually have the disease, then go with the, the, the acquired treatment of, of one treatment of uh, permethrin and then another one a week later. And then follow up with the patient, and then the, the patient see how they're doing. If they can use sulfur sulfur based soaps, that's great uh, because that will probably help. But again, remember that because of the resistance, you might actually be more aggressive and have to do permethrin treatments multiple times until until it's done. In terms of what you do with the clothes and the bed sheets, you can actually buy uh, insecticidal spray or. Sp- or I should say parasitic spray, antiparasitic spray from the pharmacy. Anything that that cannot be washed, you should spray. Things that can be washed, you want to put them in the dryer uh, to heat them up, and then you want to wash them afterwards, just to wash and maybe and then dry them again. The other thing you may, you can do if that's too hard is to just put all the clothes in a plastic bag and leave them out for three days to a week. By that time, if there's any infestation, the the scabies will the scabies mite will be dead. So so that's something I suggest. It can be expensive, unfortunately, to get to get treatment for scabies. So it cost us. I'm sure it didn't cover the treatment. So it it cost us 120 dollars actually for just a family of four. It's me and my it's my wife, myself, my three year old and my six month old. It, yeah, it costs a good hundred and twenty dollars. That's just for one treatment. So imagine if you had to do two or three or four treatments, it can, it can, the cost can rack up, which is unfortunate. But um, again, uh, some some plans will cover it. And in Quebec, I think the RAMQ covers it as well. But you need to find that out again. Remember, your, some of your patients don't have the money, and if they have to pay one hundred twenty dollars or two hundred forty dollars to get treatment and if that's their actual budget for food and heat they, they might have to choose the food and heat over that so be aware of some of the social uh, costs of, of this disease so again to summarize scabies is a relatively common parasitic infestation which presents classically with really itchy rash that lasts really itchy rash that's worse at night uh, the rash itself has a pretty classic distribution, including what I call the wet and, the wet and warm surfaces, so the, the axilla and the groin, and the web spaces of the feet and hands. It is a clinical diagnosis, and treatment in Canada is pretty much limited to permethrin, 5%, with sulfur-based soaps, which the, the treatment, depending if you're exposed or if you're infected, is different and sometimes has to be more aggressive than what, what the usual recommendations are. Again, remember, any any clothes or things that are exposed should either be dried, washed, and dried, or should be just quarantined away for at least three to seven days. Be aware of the costs of the treatment for the patient, depending on their insurance and the provincial insurance as well. The other tricky part about scabies, unfortunately, is the is the longest incubation period, because even if 
even if you've been treated if the treatment doesn't work, right? You won't know for a couple of weeks that it didn't work sometimes, right? Because the incubation period can be up to a month. So it, it, it can be quite tricky. We're, we're, thankfully, we're out of the woods. Although I, anytime I feel a bit of an itch, part of, my, uh, part, of, part of me in my mind starts freaking out a bit. But we're out of the woods. But yeah, again, that's, that's the tricky part. The incubation period is a bit long. Uh, but yes, hopefully this was helpful. I, uh, I hope none of the, our listeners will have to deal with this personally. But if you have patience with it, now at least you have, you have an idea uh, and an approach. And just a bit of bookkeeping. So next month we might do one podcast because it's uh, it's Christmas. Uh, it's a, it's quite busy. I'll try to have either Kevin or or Dr. Pabadi come in to give a talk. You know, if if you like what what you're hearing, please leave us uh, leave us a comment on iTunes. Give us a rating. You can always email me at uh, at my primary medicine podcast email. It's it's on the website. If you have any suggestions. And, you know, it was, it was actually, we were at FMF. I was at FMF, and I was doing a booth for MD Empowerment uh, two weeks ago in Vancouver, and it was, it was quite nice to talk to some of you who are listeners to the podcast. So I uh, appreciate you coming in to say hi. And uh, we'll, talk, we'll talk soon.